0: Hi, I'm Marilyn, and welcome to my Lead Your Day podcast. A warts and all chat for entrepreneurial women. It's very real, it's raw, and it's going to challenge us all to look at our lives and our businesses in a different way than we've probably all been taught. My goal is that it encourages us all to not just lead our day, but our whole world's. I'm devoting this period to, well, it's called the Time to Lead series, because unless we're living on a rock, (laughs) we know that recession is here, and we're probably all at home because of the coronavirus. So I'm devoting the next couple of weeks to what I'm calling the Time to Lead series, because it's not time to contract. It's not time to draw back. It's time to step up and lead. and I want to support you in that with inspiration and education and motivation, a little bit of a bum kept, come on, let's lead. Um, and lots of uh, hugs, but at a distance, virtual hugs, <laughs> uh, a bit of winking and waving uh, and uh, support you through this time especially those of us, well, most of us are working from home. It is easy to feel isolated. You want to probably crawl the walls. And those of you who always work from home, I always work from home, and you've got more, you've, well, the family, you've got the kids at home, you've got all these uh, changes to our uh, our daily life, our daily business. So I'm hoping to be that little bit of sunshine in your day, a little bit of direction, a little bit of motivation for you to lead. Because, as I said yesterday, this is the time that the real leaders stand up. And even if you don't feel like a real leader, I'm encouraging you and giving you permission to raise up. Now, today's episode is, well, I can't go into any further help in terms of strategy, in terms of recession and all that kind of thing without first addressing the elephant in the room, that fear and panic that we've probably felt. And I know a lot. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people over the last few days and we're going in and out of this and various responses to going back to sleep, to reading a book, to binging on Netflix, to doing all sorts of things. And you would not be human if you did not feel some fear uh, or at least annoyance over the what is happening in the world right now. So, it's easy at this time to get fearful. So today I'm devoting this episode to what I'm calling the F brain. In other words, fear is not to be feared. It's normal, but it's not to be feared. So the F brain. Now at this time, as I just said, it is easy and it's normal. Okay. It's normal to be fearful and that's okay. Fear is not bad. I want to say that again. Fear is not bad. Don't believe the Instagram hashtags that say no fear or fear is the devil or fear is bad or fear is, you know, let's kill fear or I'm fearless. Rubbish. You can't be fearless unless you remove a big part of your brain and then you'll be dead. All right. We need fear. What, well, we need fear to be alive. I'll talk about more of that in a moment. But it's our response to fear that counts. And I want us to be leaders of our fear. And that's why it's important to be self-aware. I will talk about that till I'm blue at the face. Be self-aware. Grow yourself in awareness Be self-aware. Be evolving in that every day. Develop your consciousness. Develop your, un- you know, listen to your unconscious. Listen to it be self-aware. So fear is not bad. It's our response to fear that matters. Fear is not to be feared. Fear is to be led. Oh, there's my magic word, led. But let's understand it a bit because when we bring understanding to something, it takes away, well, it takes away the fear, doesn't it? Now, our bodies are designed to keep us alive. Fact. Fact. Absolutely, our bodies are designed to keep us alive. During danger, our nervous systems all, well, automatically goes into the sympathetic state, which is that freeze, fight, flight stage. It's reactive and contracting, and it's needed to keep us alive. Animals have it, we have it. It is it it keeps humanity, it keeps the nature, natural world just ticking along. Now, when the danger is past, our parasympathetic system is designed to take over. And now that's a more expansive state where we are calm and composed. Now, heart rate you know, calms down, that kind of thing. Now, imagine a bunch of, uh, or no, I shouldn't say bunch, I was like a herd of uh, antelope or deer, and a wild animal comes who is further up the food chain. Uh, those animals will they'll go into one of those responses, usually freeze. And they're the ones that are usually caught first. they They'll uh, Some of them will fight if they are the right type of animal. Um, and also uh, most of them will go in their flight mode. They'll run. They just get more energy, all your cells, all your systems, your blood, everything goes into the parts of your body that need to just keep your life, keep your legs. You don't think, you just run. And so... Uh, at the end of that, what you'll find is that animals shake, they'll sort of shake it off and they'll go back to doing whatever they were doing, going back to you know, grazing on the grass. We humans have somehow disturbed that process. And it's because a little bit, well, there's a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is because we have a very uh, well-formed front brain that has that conflict between the back brain that keeps us alive and the front brain that goes, well, that's crazy. And so we have our emotions, we have our shame, we have our guilt, we have embarrassment, all sorts of things that can stop us. And none of us really are taught how to feel our emotions. We don't know how we don't have the handbook on emotions. There wasn't a class in school. We were taught, depending on what era we grew up, to either keep them in or you know, freeze them inside us. We weren't taught how to use emotions well, because emotions aren't bad. They're good, uh, but we're not taught how to deal, deal with them. And so as humans, we often, well, often, oft, often a lot, often big time, don't get back to that parasympathetic. Sympathetic state where we're calm and composed. And so that's when people that, you know, they go, well, you buy this meditation package and make people make money of it. But it's, uh, and that's okay, but uh, we don't know how to get back to that parasympathetic state. And that's when disease comes because disease is really a dis ease. We're not able to get back to that ease, composed state. So let's break down those. Responses, the F responses that our brain can have. Now we can have all of them, or some of them. Some personalities have a, a predisposition to some of them, and then others. Also genetically and uh, inherited patterns uh, can also overlay on top of that. Plus things like patriarchy can have an impact on how you respond into a in that sympathetic state? And then how do you recover in the parasympathetic state? Trauma, big trauma with big T and a little trauma with a little T. All these things impact how you can do that. So uh, I'm not here to teach you how to get over trauma, but I can give you an understanding of this F brain response so that you can almost detach yourself and go, "Ah, oh, I see. I don't need to take this personally. I don't need to personalize this. This is just my biology reacting to Fear, something that feels like danger. And honestly, a coronavirus and recession feels dangerous. So let's look at freeze, for example. You'll find yourself, this is what well, we know what freeze is. You freeze, you're unable to move or act. And the way you outplay that you're, biologically is that you might feel cold, you might feel numb, you might feel real heaviness, a sense of dread, your heart could even pound. Uh, you're, you tend to tolerate stress more than you should. I mean, you over-tolerate it. You, instead of dealing with it, you just take it on, take it on and take it on. Uh, you will, you, you, you might sleep. You might want to keep going back to bed and sofa surf all the time. You will hide out. Uh, you might get, um, you know, want to go and see people. You could definitely uh, binge on social media or uh, movies, TV series, whatever. Um, and also depression. So that's a freeze response, and we've all know what that feels like. Then there's the fight response, uh, where people, well, or well, you might uh, uh, confront that threat, that sense of danger, aggressively. You might even feel like crying, or you do cry. You'll feel like punching something. You'll get a very tight jaw, grind your teeth. You might get or feel intense anger. You'll be antagonistic, argumentative to family or on social. Uh, this is where aggression gets in the car, and at worst case, you might even self harm harm yourself. So it's it's a fight response. Now I don't have the fight response often, but I know I would f- I would get a I would get argumentative or aggressive or controlling uh, to my family because they're the ones that are closer to me, and it's not anything they did, but I will turn that into suddenly it's my stress response. And I know I talk to my son. I know I talk about him a lot on these shows. On these shows, but uh, you know he will point out to me, "Mom, did you get a bad email or something this morning?" Uh, if we've both got self-awareness, we will go, "Oh yeah, I did. Sorry, I've been in a fight. Um, nervous system response here. It's not your fault. All right. How many times do we get in fights with our our best friends, our partners, our children, just because we are in a sympathetic uh, fight, fright, fight response to stress or danger or something that was disappointing us. And it's not their fault at all, but suddenly it turns, turns into their fault and then you fight over something and then it becomes this huge thing like, you know, unpacking the dishwasher suddenly becomes the enemy. And it's not that at all. It's because you were already into that. Uh, your nervous system is responding to that sense of danger in a fight, uh, in a fight response. So you can see how I bang on all the time about self-awareness. If we're aware of this, we can detach ourselves from it. We can, we can learn some things to self-soothe and uh, we can get through this back to a parasympathetic state quicker. Now, the next response is flight. Flight. This is obviously, we know this one, uh, I use it in the example with antelopes, the deer, you run from danger. And us as humans, uh, human beings, we do that too. We even get things like restless legs and we're fidgety and tense and feel trapped. Uh, I know I get clicky, I get pens and I click my pen um, or I, I do get restless legs. And I'm going, oh gosh, what's my nervous system needs to calm down here. What's going on? And sometimes I just pull out my lavender aromatherapy and just dab it on my, my soles of my feet. Seriously. Um, especially when my front part of my brain goes, no, this is okay. But the back part of my brain is still in this response. I'll go, okay, right. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's as easy to pull out a lavender, uh, but It's self-awareness that I know that's all I needed for that particular situation. So in the flight situation, you can also feel, uh, well, you can also literally run away. You can often feel anxiety, Uh, you will Netflix binge, you will, there's just this getting away from the situation. And some of them are very close. You might have a flight response and then a freeze response, or you might have a fight response, burst into tears and then have a a flight response. Okay, Uh, I know, I know my mother used to get like that growing up. She would uh, fight, freeze and then run to her room, slam the door in this flight mode. Uh, It was her response. Now there's another response which you may not have heard as much, and it's called the fawn response, and it's often a response where people have had a history of trauma, or there's been a they've lived in a traumatic situation, uh, in a family, uh, and they have this response. And I was talking recently to a friend who was uh, who just discovered this about her. She was in a fawn response all the time, in in regards to when she was in a situation where she didn't feel safe and it was dangerous uh, and she would go into this fawn response and she would just smile. And so people would think she was agreeing with them when in fact they were actually heaping on more abuse and emotional abuse. And it was amazing for her to, to realise that, oh my gosh, this is my uh, sympathetic response to to the trauma, to the danger, to this to this fear that was coming up and it's not helping me. All right so it's where often you're more concerned with making the attacker, attacker happy than doing what is right for you and it's it's you telling yourself I can cope with this I can cope with this so you get more you know, put on you now I'm not sure if we'd go into a fawn response currently uh, but we might, all right? If you've got a history of trauma, family trauma, you may uh, just go to your. Co- it's a coping mechanism. You'll go to that because it feels safe because it's you do that all the time. It's a codependent response. You hide from danger and you you comply or help the attacker uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's just another response. So we all respond in those four ways. You can't say, I don't respond to fear. You do. Your brain does. You are. You have a limbic system in your brain, and it will respond in one of those four ways. All right. Remember, none of those responses are wrong or bad. It's survival. It's staying in those responses for an extended amount of period that's not good for us. And remember your brain, the, the you know, the limbic part of your brain, it can't see, it it doesn't recognise the difference between real or imagined. It's why when you can, you, you're dreaming, you're having a nightmare, your heart, your, your heart will still respond, you know, it, it'll beat faster, you might feel your legs trying to run, you know, you will, your body will go into a sympathetic state, but it's in fright, freeze, flight, flight or flight, it'll go into one of those responses. But it's, it's in your dreams, okay? So it's nothing wrong with that. It's just what's happening. So the the brain can't tell whether it's real or imagined. And so that's when you can start that dialogue with your brain. Ah, okay. So don't say you're stupid, you're bad, get away from me, you mean girl. Go, oh, I see. It's almost like calming a, a child that needs to be calmed down. You don't, well, a loving parent would not go, oh, just shut up, stop being mean, you would open your arms, embrace them and comfort them. You could have that conversation once they're comforted that, hey, is this real or is this imagined? Or you might be able to reason it, but you can't. You've got to calm that down. And if you try and reason with a child, you know it doesn't work. That's why any type of reasoning, parenting, discipline does not work in the long, long thing because the child's brain isn't developed enough yet. So instead... How how does this knowledge that I just taught you help you with your stress response? Yes, there's a recession. Yes, there's this coronavirus. Yes, there's there's a very real chance we'll probably get it. Uh, But it's it's how will we respond? And are we aware that a lot of the times we can make it worse than it is, and it may be. Not so much real, but imagined. And imagined fears are often worse than the real fears. It's like when, uh, you know, people get superhuman hu- strength when something happens. When the real danger is there, the response is actually quick, it gets a result, it gets us taking action. So think about this. How can you have another F response? I've got two F-response that I'd like you to practice. Free, or freedom, and fast, fast action, okay? Can you free yourself from an elongated stress response? And can you take fast action to get there? Can you get your body back into that parasympathetic state? Have you got a practice that'll get you there fast and will free you from the negative long-term effects of staying in that state. So practically, I recommend you go back to episode 56 where I do a grounding exercise. It is a great exercise to get you out of your head, get you into your body and calm down your heart rate, calm down your your nervous system. Some people like to uh, do meditation practice or a mindfulness practice. Some people like a tapping uh, practice. Tapping process. Sometimes when I'm soothing myself, I'll just hug my arms and just gently tap left and right and left and right on my upper arms, like I'm hugging myself, which is good because we, hey, we can't, uh, we can't, uh, we can't hug and kiss right now, can we? So uh, do that. Breathing, honestly, just breathing in for four slowly breathing out for four and feel your whole chest, your whole stomach like a balloon. That Doing five minutes of that does wonders. Going out for a walk in nature, journaling. Uh, I use a heart coherence uh, acti- exercise. All of these things have a self-awareness practice and have a go-to calming um, practice. I also carry around, you know, maybe peppermint or... or, or uh, lavender, or something that smells nice that will bring that reaction down, um, and also m- maybe a soothing warm cup of tea. Have have some, uh, well, have a self-awareness practice, and have something in your pocket, <laughs> metaphorical pocket, to calm you down. For me, the go-to is the grounding exercise and the heart heart breathing in and out of my heart coherence, and. Some of you might be yoga or going doing some Pilates or going for a jog, like a you know very fast jog to expel that that energy. Uh, and also how to how to help you get your body back into parasympathetic state. Don't stress eat. Uh, really, uh, those stimulants can sugar, alcohol, coffee, those things were well, all yummy, but overeating them, which we tend to do, you know the story of breaking up and getting a bucket of ice cream. It can nurture you short term, but long term it's not getting your cells in your what's happening real quick is that your body then has to spend all its time processing those foods rather than okay uh, digestion's done for now and now we'll get on with uh, the rest of the part of the body all right that's why i practice a lot of intermittent fasting because of that it gives my body space to do all the things it needs to do and um, and the last thing is the so self-awareness practice do eat well seriously and move Uh, Do what the animals do. Shake, dance, walk, stretch, put on some music. When you're feeling that energy moving through your body uh, and it's not, it feels like that your, your nervous system is raised, sometimes rather than meditating, you're better off putting on some fun music that's happy and dancing around the lounge room or do some stretching that the, you know, I'm sure your dog, your pet, you'll jump in, the kids will jump in. It'll be a fun thing to do together. Okay. So remember your F brain, learn to be self-aware about, uh, where. learn to be self-aware and use this time to discover new practices and tools that you can put in your kit to help you manage that stress. And also, uh, you know, it's about, do you want to contract during this time or do you want to expand and give yourself lots of space? All right. So, I'd love to hear from you. If you are feeling the stress, are you putting this into practice and it doesn't work, please do reach out, email or hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn and uh, you know we'll, get, we'll have a chat. All right. So uh, I hope you enjoyed today. I'll see you tomorrow and uh, I'll have another one in this series called It's Time to Lead. Hey, can you do me a favor? I've got three things I'd love you to do. Number one, pause and hit subscribe right now. Then number two, share it with someone you know that needs to hear this. And number three, go and write me a review. Yeah, it's a bit of a hassle to go find what to do, but it's really worth it to get the message out. And then finally, set a goal to go for a daily walk and listen to this podcast. Because the faster we can share this message, the greater the benefits. Thanks for listening and I'll see you tomorrow.